The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Um, God often blesses us in in many ways, and sometimes those are small ways that... um, Maybe we don't always recognize, but the last couple mornings woken up and felt that cool air, and it's certainly been a, a blessing. As you get up early in the morning, especially on Sunday morning, would encourage you to join us for Bible class. Um, we have lots of great teachers who spend lots of time outside of worship preparing for that class and um, getting ready to teach children, adults, and, and all ages. So if you're not attending Bible class, would encourage you to do so. Uh, we're, we're in a study of the book of Acts, moving our way through the book, and this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at the first 12 verses there. If you have a Bible, you can look at it there, or I'll have the verses on the screen. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high, high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." A minister once said, everywhere Paul went, there was a riot. Everywhere I go, they serve tea. Um, I believe this was a British minister, so that's why I have a cup of tea there. I could have adjusted that to the south and put a cup of sweet tea there. Um, But you get the point. And and I would like for us to think about this quote for a minute. Because what this minister said is funny. You know, it makes us chuckle a little bit. But there's a lot of truth in this statement. In the first century, the message of the gospel was radical. Um, Leaders and and those in power did not like what was being preached. We see this in our text this morning. And something as simple as proclaiming Jesus as Lord could get you thrown into jail or even worse, put to death. The leader of this movement... Uh, The one that we look up to, the the head of the body, Jesus, was put to death on a cross 
And many of his followers would suffer the same fate. And so as people like Peter and and Paul went from town to town proclaiming the message of Jesus, sometimes riots broke out. Now compare all of that with what we have today. Our version of Christianity is rather tame compared to what we read and find in the book of Acts. And there are several reasons for this. Thankfully, uh, we live in a country that offers freedom of religion. And actually, this idea of freedom of religion is a Christian ideal. Now, we believe that everyone ought to be a follower of Jesus. But we also believe that this is something that you cannot force someone to do. And so God has given us free will. And we have the freedom to choose how we will live. And we're held responsible for those choices. But still, we're free to choose. Uh, the, The Bible also teaches that we are to strive to live at peace with everyone. And so we're commanded to try and persuade people to do what is right... But we're not commanded to go out and conquer. And so these ideals that begin with Christians have been a blessing to many people. And so freedom of religion plays a big part in why Christianity does not seem as radical maybe as it once did. But that's just one reason. It's not the only one. We must also recognize that Christianity is the dominant religion in America. And this is both good and bad. Again, our goal is for everyone to be a Christian. And we have been commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So when many people turn to Christ, uh, we should be glad about this. However, when governments and entire countries embrace Christianity, uh, Christianity often becomes corrupted. And so sometimes institutions will take something like Christianity and they will use it to their benefit. And so Christianity is used sometimes to sell people products. It's used to make money. It's used to garner votes for politicians. It's used to put fear into people and to get them to act in a certain way. And so when Christianity is mingled with business and politics, we need to be a little bit leery about that. At the same time, we recognize that God can use people with impure motives to accomplish his will. Jesus speaks about this. Paul speaks about this. And sometimes there will be people going around with not the right motives, but they're preaching Christ, and others will receive the message. And so is Christianity less radical today simply because we have advanced as a society Um, Is it less radical because we live in a place where it's the dominant religion? Um, Yes and no. We also are partly responsible because we have tamed the message of Christianity. We have made Christianity all about dying and going to heaven. And if that's the sole message of Christianity, then it's not going to upset many people who are leaders Or people who are in authority. If the only message we have is about dying and going to heaven. Then this is not going to cause many riots to break out. 
a message that is all about what happens after you die is not very threatening. Now, over the years, Christianity has become domesticated. The message that we proclaim is not always the same message that was proclaimed in the first century. We're now in Acts chapter 4. And Peter has preached a couple of sermons already in the book of Acts. But so far, he has said not a word about dying and going to heaven. So what did Peter preach? What made his message so radical? What did he say that got him into trouble, that caused so much controversy? We're told in Acts 4 and verse 2, they were thoroughly annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming that the resurrection of the dead had begun to happen through Jesus. The thing that caused so much trouble was that Peter and others were preaching on the resurrection of the dead. Now notice here, I have to pay careful attention. They weren't just preaching that Jesus had died and was raised three days later. I mean, they were preaching that. That's part of the message. and It's an important part of the message. But they're also teaching that everyone else is going to be resurrected also. And this is something that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, we like to talk about dying and going to heaven. But the early church put their hope in resurrection. Now, you may be wondering, what's the difference? Why is one controversial and one not? And that's a good question. And if we look back at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3, we're given a clue. Peter and others are preaching resurrection. That's something that's going to happen. But there's also some things that go along with that. And this is what they say. Acts 3, 19 through 21. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And so the resurrection from the dead is just part of the plan. He also promises to restore all things or uh, to make all things right. And so whatever is wrong in the world, God promises to make it right. And so God's going to deal with corruption. He's going to deal with greedy and dirty politicians. And this is often described in Scripture as a reversal of fortunes. We got a real good taste of it this morning when, when Bobby read our Scripture reading. Mary, the mother of Jesus, explains what this will look like in Luke chapter 1. She says, speaking of God here, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, she's speaking of this sort of as it's already been done, but the point of what she's saying here is this is actually something in the future, and she's saying it as it's already been done. This is her hope that this is what's going to take place. And so God setting things right means the hungry are going to be fed, and the humble are going to be lifted up. But it also means judgment. For those who have not trusted in God and those who have done wrong. And so the proud 
she says, will be brought low. And those who have made lots of money and neglected the poor, they will be made poor themselves. Those who have not ruled justly will be stripped of their high position. God is coming. God is going to make all things right. And to a lot of us, that sounds wonderful. Who would not want all the problems with this world fixed right here and right now? I mean, that's good news, right? Well, it depends. It's good news for a lot of people. It's for those on the margins of society. It's good news for those who have suffered injustice. It's good news for everyone who trusts in God. But it's not good news to those who have opposed God. It's not good news to those who will lose their lofty positions. And so what Peter and others are preaching has direct implications to the people who are listening. And these people, they they long for things to be made right. And now they hear from Peter and others that, that this is what God is working toward. And the mission of the church is for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we need to understand that we're not going to be able to fix all the problems with this world. We need to understand that only God can do that. But we are to right as many wrongs as we can. And when we begin to take this mission seriously, then people will pay attention. When you stand on the side of what is right, there's going to be some who do not like it. There will be some who feel threatened because they've gained money or they've gained power through unethical means. And they're going to seek to stop you, maybe even kill you. But to those who have been promised resurrection, that matters very little. Because even if you take our life, God will give it back just as he raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, We've seen some of this take place recently in the Middle East with those who have been martyred because of their faith. So hopefully now you have a sense of of why Peter and Paul and others were, were viewed as such a threat. They were proclaiming a message that would turn the world upside down. It was a message that challenged corrupt leaders and crooked politicians. It was a message that offered hope to people who had been forced to the margins of society. It was a message that threatened the way the world was and still is. The message was, the world's not going to stay the same. God is coming and God is going to do something about it. So what does this mean for us? Well, understand this point. It does not mean we should be causing riots or looking for a fight. Not at all. Uh, This is not how Christians are supposed to live or act. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. Paul commands us to live at peace with everyone. Uh, And this is something that should define us. This is something that's said over and over again throughout Scripture. Jesus, Peter, and Paul, and others did not set out to cause trouble. They were peacemakers. They were not riot makers. But at the same time, they're dedication to peace 
never prevented them from proclaiming a radical message that often got them in trouble. They sought to change the world. They sought to make a difference. It was a message not just about what happens after we die, but about the way things are right now. And so they challenged the world, um, and they gave people hope that this place can be better, and we can do something about it. So what are we doing to make a difference here and now? What are we proclaiming that gives people here in LaGrange hope for tomorrow? We should not hope for a riot, but we should expect people to take notice. What we are doing and what we are proclaiming should garner the attention of people around us. We should be known for helping people in the name of Jesus, just as these early Christians were in Acts chapter 4. It's one of the reasons they get drugged before the authorities. They're helping people in the name of Jesus. We should be known for our belief in that one day God will make all things right. And people should know that that's just not a belief, but that that's something that we're working for, we're working towards right now. We should be known for our belief in resurrection and that death will not have the last word. So how is all this possible? How did the early Christians do it? And there's an answer at the very end of our text. And the answer is Jesus. There is power in that name. It's the only name through which salvation is possible. Peter is very clear about that in his sermon. It's a name that gives us hope. It defines who we are. We are Christians. That means that we are people who follow in the footsteps of Christ. We seek to do the things he does and we seek to look like him and be shaped into his image. The good things we do, we do not just to go out and do good things. There's clubs and associations that do that. But what sets us apart is we do good things in the name of Jesus. Our belief in the resurrection does not make any sense apart from Jesus, who was first raised from the dead. And because of Jesus, the world has changed. He is Lord. He is King. He is reigning now. He is in charge. And His name carries authority, it carries power. And so it doesn't matter how small we may be. When we go out and seek to change the world in the name of Jesus, people will take notice. Let's pray. Father, we come before you And again, we offer our thanks and our praise. You have been so good to us, more good to us than we deserve. And Father, we're once again challenged by your word this morning. We look at a book of Acts where your early followers were preaching a radical message and were doing radical things, and we look at what we're doing, and it often does not seem radical at all.
And we pray that we will begin to do things and proclaim things in our community so that people will take notice. They will take notice of the good things that we do in the name of Jesus. They will take notice of the hope that we have. They will take notice of our message of resurrection and salvation that are only made possible through Jesus. Be with us, Father, as we strive to do these things and strive to work here in LaGrange. We pray all this in your name. Amen.